baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Question for you, Mike. Do you think Bigfoot is real? Uh, Bigfoot. Interesting. Why do you ask? I just wanted to get a feel for where you stand when it comes to these legendary type creatures. Uh, why? Is there a new one? I wish. That'd be a lot of fun. But there is renewed search for one of the most famous in the world, the Loch Ness Monster. More famous than the Chupacabra? I think it depends where in the world you live. Good point. They probably never heard of the Chupacabra outside of certain parts of the U.S. and Mexico. But you're probably right. I get your point. So tell me about this research. Well, in late August, a couple of groups, the Loch Ness Center and Loch Ness Exploration, teamed up to organize the largest search for the Loch Ness Monster in about 50 years. According to the BBC, 100 volunteers turned out, and hundreds more kept their eyes glued to a live stream in search of clues. That's Chris, I'm Mike, and this is Something Offbeat. This week, I spoke with Alan McKenna with Loch Ness Exploration and cryptozoologist Ken Gerhard to learn more about the search for Nessie, which dates back centuries, but began in modern times in the 1930s. We'll start with Alan. This project now, is it completed or is it ongoing? Oh, it'll be ongoing for years. Long, long time to come. What we're trying to achieve anyway is to build a database or a catalogue of the different sounds within Loch Ness at different areas at different depths. Um, so, it, it, you know, we, we were never going to do it in two days. We, we knew that. We told people that that wasn't going to happen. Well, what are you looking for in this project? I guess, what, proof one way or another? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's ideally what we would love to find is proof of that. If there is an unknown large aquatic species in Loch Ness, that would be fantastic. Um, but it's not just Nessie that I'm there for. I mean, it's... Like I said earlier, as a wee boy, that's I grew up thinking, you know, there's a giant monster in there. I want to go find it. Um, and I'd be lying to myself if I said that today, you know, 2023, that that's not what I'm doing. But I, I 100% am still doing that. I would love to find something. But it was Adrian Shine and the Loch Ness Project who, who really kind of pushed me more towards the natural environment and, and the beauty of the natural environment and understanding it and how you can relate that to, you know, previous sightings and present sightings, trick of the eye, trick of the mind. Um, and because of him, I, I've got a, such a, a bizarre fascination with the Loch ecosystem. What kind of technology are you are you using in this? So at the moment, we're using a, a hydrophone system which isn't actually new on Loch Ness. It's been used before in the past, but never been used to a great length where we can actually calculate, um, sorry, catalog the different sounds we can hear in Loch Ness. So that's what we're going for. You're not down there necessarily looking for Nessie per se, but perhaps signs of it. Um, I mean, what would exactly, what would give you an indication that, hey, maybe there is something down here? Well, it's, again, it's part of the process. This is why we're trying to catalogue as many sounds as we pass, possibly can within the loch. Um, as I said earlier, it's, it's the you know the process of elimination and um, what's man-made, what's natural, what's a boat, what's not. Um, during the Friday before our expedition, the two-day expedition, we did hear a series of four bizarre bloops. Um, I, can't, I still can't really describe what it was, but it was out in Urquhart Bay. 
the reason it wasn't recorded is because we were just testing the equipment before you know we took off on the Saturday and Sunday. I was quite honest about that to the press on the Saturday and the Sunday, very sheepishly. So I didn't want to to let them know it was a complete failure. But we we had already tested the MP3 recorder. There was no need to do it again. We knew it was working, and that's unfortunately when we heard these bizarre four bloops. Tell me, what did the bloop sound like? It, exactly how you sound a bloop. <laughs> bloop. It was bizarre. But there's, I don't know what it was. But again, just because I don't know what it was, it doesn't mean it's the Loch Ness Monster. It may could well be the Loch Ness Monster. I'm not too sure. But, you know, it's something as simple. That could have been a duck landing on the surface a mile away. It could be gas escaping from the bottom of the loch, which is 750 feet deep. It could be anything. I visited Loch Ness when I was uh, 15 years old. Uh, back in 1982, and uh, my mother was very supportive of my interest in this stuff, even at a young age. Uh, so I spent the better part of a week investigating uh, at a young age. I was uh, kind of hiking around the lake with a movie camera. Uh, I interviewed locals. I just kind of looked into the mystery then. Uh, since then, I have not been back until recently. That's Ken Gerhard. He's a San Antonio-based cryptozoologist and author of a book on the essential guide to the Loch Ness Monster and other aquatic cryptids. Ever used that word before? Cryptids? Cryptids. <laughs> I had to Google it when I saw the name of that book. Cryptozoologists essentially go out and search for evidence of unknown animals, which often are kind of colorful, legendary creatures like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Chupacabra, Mothman, Yeti, things like that. Now, this is one that goes back, wow, 1,500 years, give or take. What has your research told you about whether this is real or not? Well, I tell people I'm about 90% convinced by the evidence. I've never seen it with my own eyes, of course, but I've interviewed witnesses, uh, some recently, um, I think the photographic evidence is a little dubious. There have been some many hoaxes through the years, hoaxed photos of Nessie. So that kind of muddies the waters, so to speak. I think that the sonar evidence is very strong. That goes back to the 1950s. And there have been consistent sonar contacts with large animate things, 20 to 30 feet long, swimming around deep in the lock. Uh, that's never been adequately explained. There have been thousands of eyewitness reports, fairly consistent, most of them, through the years. As you mentioned, one goes back to 565 A.D and the guy called St. Columba. Most people know that the, the first sighting was back in, I think it's 565 AD, with St. Columba, the Irish missionary. Um, but what a lot of people don't know about that is it actually took place in Riverness and not actually Loch Ness. Um, and that river does connect the loch to the sea. But apparently that was the first recorded sighting of the Loch Ness monster when, you know, Columba made the, the sign of the cross and expelled the beastie back into the water um, and there was you know there was certain sightings throughout the years but it didn't really kick off again until about the 1933 with um, Aldi Mackay who witnessed something in the loch you know she was a hotel um, a manager sorry of the hotel from the rocket where the Loch Ness Centre actually is now um, which is quite interesting and she spoke to one of her friends there who happened to be Alex Campbell who was also a part-time journalist for the Inverness Courier and he wrote a story about the spectacle in Loch Ness um, and that kind of you know ignited it again the, the the mystery you know that you can call it a legend you know it's, I'm quite happy to call it a legend it doesn't bother me in the slightest. This is in 1933 this is the famous photo that I, I think most people have seen of the head and the neck right? 
yeah, the the, the surgeon's photo. Um, I, I unfortunately for years, I, even as a wee boy, I was convinced that was the Loch Ness monster. Um, I think most people obviously were convinced, but as that came out to be a hoax, I think some hearts were dashed, unfortunately, including my own. So yeah, I, I'm not looking for a, a thirty foot, sixty foot plesiosaur in Loch Ness. That's what I'm not. I'm not looking for that. I would love that. Obviously, I think the my my inner child um, who grew up with that kind of that fantasy and, and that that romantic idea that there was a living plesiosaur in Loch Ness, but it's just not possible. So yeah, my heart was a wee bit dashed with that, unfortunately. But once that came out as a hoax, I think other photos, you know, got under a lot of scrutiny and they went under a lot of a hard analysis, um, which is great. And I love doing that as well, that that's all part of the process with Loch Ness and the Loch Ness Monster. Over the years, how frequently have the sightings occurred? It depends. It really does depend. We had a quiet couple of years. I think in the mid two thousands, there was there was a lot kind of quiet going on. But since our weekend, there's been a hell of a lot of reports. The most recent ones was the Miss Kelly photos. I don't know if you've seen them in the papers, um, but she actually caught that back in two thousand eighteen. Had nothing to do with um, Loch Ness exploration or the centre. This happened back in two thousand eighteen, and she took these. I think there were seventy five photos altogether. Um, and it's what what I've seen anyway. Um, it, it's it's very interesting. I don't know what it shows. I still don't know what it shows. And, and I know they've been they've been sent over to I think it's someone in New Zealand. I could be wrong for analysis. And he's going to create some sort of animation of series of these photos, which will hopefully show what it is we're looking at. But it's bizarre. The photos that McKenna is referring to came to light just days after the search wrapped up. They were taken by a woman on vacation in 2018 and show a large creature move across the lock for about 100 meters. So if they were taken five years ago, why are we just now hearing about them? Well, according to the Scottish Sun, the woman said she was afraid of public ridicule, so she kept them to herself. But the recent search inspired her to share them. Okay, I looked at them and feel free to disagree, but they, they look like a couple of bags of garbage floating on the surface of the water. Seriously, like big green garbage bags that someone threw into the lock. Except this was a still photo. They were probably moving at the time. Still, though, either way, not exactly conclusive evidence. Not conclusive at all, and I'm not sure what it is either. It could be a large animal of some sort. I wish we had video that we could see of it moving. Uh, And I'd love to see if there was a species that we haven't discovered yet. If this goes back to 565, I, you know, this is not, this would not be the original Nessie still there. This would have to be a descendant, which means reproduction would have had to take place, which means there's more than one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, if there's one in there, I mean, I always make a joke about this. If there's one, then it must be Connor McLeod from Highlander. You know, he's immortal. It's going to be one of these things. You know, there can be only one. It, there has to be more than one. Of course, there has to be, you know, you know, 65 565 AD. I mean, that, that's a very old beastie. If there's only one in there, but again, this this is what this is part of the problem. If if there is a breeding population, where, where the hell are they? You know, like what are they feeding on? There's not a, a huge amount of food in Loch Ness um, to sustain a, a large population of breeding animals, but they might not be feeding on, on fish. If there is something down there, you had mentioned the species of plesiosaur earlier. Is that what you're thinking this might be? Oh, God, no, 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 no. I would love it to be, 100%. That's what I believed when I was a wee boy. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like like I said, that, that surgeon's photo, that caught my imagination. But it was actually Tim Dinsdale's book, 
the the story of the Loch Ness monster. He had a very strange looking beastie on his front cover of his book, and it resembled a plesiosaur as well. Um, and that's what I went in thinking when I was a wee boy, and even in my teenage years, that's what I was going for. Um, but as I said earlier, the, the more I got into the the natural side of Loch Ness and what can support other food chains and stuff like that, that's where I started to step back a wee bit, thinking there's no way this thing could be a, a plesiosaur. I have a couple of candidates. One that I'm kind of intrigued by is the possibility of an ancient type of whale known as a basilosaur or archaeocete. And these were very snake-like whales, look very different from modern whales. They were around about 30 or 40 million years ago. People have described the skin as looking whale-like. Uh, whales are very good in cold water, and they can also travel from the ocean into fresh water from time to time. And they can also hold their breath for up to four hours. So there's a lot of reasons that a whale might be an interesting candidate. Um, another interesting possibility is an amphibian of some kind. You know, I, I mentioned giant salamanders a while ago. Uh, millions of years ago, there were giant amphibians that were aquatic that were 15 feet long or longer. And amphibians don't have to come to the surface very often to breathe. They can actually absorb oxygen through their skin. And so they could live probably more comfortably. And they also adapt better to colder water than uh, reptiles do for some reason. How, though, if this thing or these things have been around for 1,500 years at a minimum, how does no one have any concrete proof? Ah, that is a great mystery. That what, that's what makes it one of the great mysteries of the world. Um, you know, the only explanation of that would be we're dealing with something that is incredibly rare. Um, and perhaps they don't live in Loch Ness all year round. They could be anadromous species, which travel in from the ocean. Loch Ness is connected to the North Atlantic Ocean on both sides by a series of locks and rivers and canals. So uh, maybe the, these animals are only coming into the loch on rare occasions, and maybe they live out at sea. You know, it, it, the enduring fascination surrounding this, it, it really is amazing. What you attribute that to? Um, well, I'm fascinated because I think it's an essential component of the human experience to uh, explore, uh, explore our world and to try to make great discoveries. I think that uh, in this day and age, it's very easy for us to sort of uh, see the world as something that we fully understand and we've got it all figured out at this point. Science has come a long way and we have all this great technology, but there are, you know, mysteries in the world still. I think the, a lot of the Earth's surface is still very unexplored. 71% of the surface is covered by deep water. Uh, we have vast jungles and forests and mountain ranges where things, you know, new animals are still being discovered from time to time by scientists. So it's not impossible. I don't know. I, I don't know where it kind of lies with it. I think everybody loves a mystery. Um, and especially just now, you know, the world's not in a, in a very good place at the moment. And I don't think there's, it's not a bad thing to go looking for the unknowing. Um, but I think that's what keeps people coming back to Loch Ness is because it's unknowing and people are still seeing these strange things in Loch Ness. There's a vast majority of sightings that can be explained. Absolutely, we can all kind of put our hands up and say that, but there's still a cluster that remain unexplained and we can't ignore eyewitness testimony. So you're a believer? I'm a believer, yeah. I don't know what I'm looking for, <laughs> but I think there's something down there um, that is definitely worth, you know, there's further investigation. That'll go on for many years. I'm not going to be the last person to go at Loch Ness and, and try and find the Loch Ness monster. Um, it's been happening for decades 
um, and, and long may it go. Part of me doesn't even want to find anything. It's it's one of these horrible things where I always tell people, if 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 you're walking along the banks of the loch by yourself and it's just you uh, and you catch a glimpse of the beastie, the Loch Ness Monster, and it's just for you and nobody else, would you share that with the world or would you keep it to yourself because it was just meant for you in that moment, in that time? You know, of all the bodies in the world, it was just for your eyes only. Would you share that with people? And I always wrestle with that idea. Um, would I tell the world or would I keep it to myself? But I think for a long time I used to say I would keep it to myself. But then you you say to you, you know, you, you're in a head. People have spent their life looking for this thing. I almost feel like we, we owe it to them to say, you know, you're not mad. You're not stupid. You're not trying to just get money or, you know, all the horrible things that they're saying about you. It's it's there. There's something there. I do hope that someday you are faced with that dilemma. I really do. I, so do I. <laughs> I'm Mike Rogers. Thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Barry and Chris Blake. Audio editing by Brief Loris. Original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall. And of course, to keep listening, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify, Apple wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have your own offbeat story you think we should cover, please share it with us. Send it to somethingoffbeat at odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 